With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. This is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs each Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. That's 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to make things better. Well, hi there. Welcome to the program. We um, do this every week on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And as I always say, this is your time to uh, kick back a little bit, relax, if there is such a thing when you have a challenging kid. If there's not, we've got to make sure that there is. Maybe this is your time every week to kick back and think about um, who your challenging kid is, what's getting in his way, what specific unsolved problems need to be worked on so that challenging behavior is dramatically reduced. Remember, solved problems don't set challenging behavior in motion. Only unsolved problems do. So if you're trying to be really specific about your child's unsolved problems and having difficulty doing that, well, I can help you with that during this uh, program. If your child isn't responding very well to plan B, I can help you troubleshoot what's going wrong and how to get it back on track. If you're having trouble with any of the specific ingredients of plan B, getting the kid's concern on the table, drilling for information, being really specific about your concern, brainstorming solutions that make sense given the concerns of both parties and solutions that both parties can actually do. If you're having trouble getting the folks at school to see the wisdom of this way of thinking or having difficulty getting your co-parent, if there is one, or the grandparents or the coaches to buy in, This is your 45 minutes. Call in if you feel like it. Comment, ask questions, get the support you need. Or if you feel like it, just listen to what's going on with the other folks who are calling in who are trying to use the collaborative problem-solving approach. Once again, if you want to call in, that number is 347-994-2981. If you're a little hesitant to call in, feel free to send a question electronically through the contact form on the Lives in the Balance website. That's www.livesinthebalance.org, lives with a V. I I know that we uh, are going to have some callers this week, but I wanted to start, in fact, we have one already. Um, Hang in there. Be with you in just a few minutes. 
wanted to talk a little bit this week about um, a very common combination I see in households where there are two adult caregivers. Um, it's what I've come to call the classic AC combination, plan A and plan C. Notice what's missing, B. But A and C, plan A is when you're imposing your will and doing unilateral problem solving. Plan C is when you are not capitulating. That's not what the C stands for, but prioritizing. Once again, it should have been plan P, not plan C. But in many households, those are the only two ways in which problems are being solved. Plan A, imposition of adult will, and capitulation, not even plan C, capitulation. This is interesting because um, if you have a really challenging kid, I don't find that most parents who have a challenging kid started out being plan C parents. I know that that's something that they are frequently characterized as being. They're plan C parents. They, But now you know that plan C is prioritizing, so even that description is not apt. What they're really being described at is they give in a lot. They capitulate a lot. Their kid has them wrapped around his finger. My experience is that most of those parents actually started out doing what most folks do, plan A, imposing their will. They started doing more capitulating when they discovered what happens when you do plan A with a challenging kid. Um, Plan A often causes challenging behavior in challenging kids. And so what they were finding was the way most folks do things, plan A wasn't making things better, making things worse. Then many of them either read a parenting book or sought help from someone. And just because of the way things are, what they probably got was, number one, accused of doing too much capitulating, and encouraged to do more, plan A. Often now with imposed consequences attached, sometimes in the form of a sticker chart, sometimes in the form of, um, you know, timeout, that would be a punishment, loss of privilege, punishment, grounding, punishment, um, privileges would be a reward. And what the sticker chart helped them do is keep track of how the kid was doing, on the goals they had established for him, sometimes called target behaviors. And they were off and running, except that um, in many instances it actually wasn't making things better once you attached a consequence to plan A. It was making things worse. Plan A causes challenging behavior in a lot of challenging kids. You've probably noticed that. So I actually find it fascinating that people who actually probably started out with plan A, like most folks do, ended up being accused of being too passive, too permissive, capitulating. Not really true. They went to capitulating as an act of self-preservation. Now, here's the problem. Plan A, imposition of adult will, doesn't help us solve problems durably or collaboratively. Capitulation, though I understand why people do it, self-preservation beats having your house get destroyed, doesn't solve any problems 
doesn't teach a kid the skills he's lacking. Neither plan A nor plan C helps. And yet, the conventional wisdom preaches lots of plan A for kids who I've come to call plan A non-responders. Kids who are well-behaved have the skills to handle plan A well. Plan A, having will imposed upon you, something most of us aren't all that keen on, requires skills to handle well, skills challenging kids lack. You throw plan A at a kid who's lacking the skills to handle plan A well, he's going to do something on what, if you've listened to the program before, you know I call the spectrum of looking bad. What's on the spectrum of looking bad? Spitting, kicking, hitting, throwing, destroying, running, swearing, screaming. The spectrum of looking bad. In many households, balance has been achieved. Not productive balance, not balance that's necessarily going to get them very far, but balance. You've got a parent doing predominantly plan A and a parent doing predominantly plan C. What's missing from that picture? Plan B. Plan B is where we're actually solving problems collaboratively, proactively, not in the heat of the moment, durably. The average of plan A and plan C isn't plan B. There is no average. One parent is the one, they, they sometimes refer to themselves as the bad guy. If there's a bad guy, then there's probably a good guy. What we're looking for is the plan B guy. We don't need good guys and bad guys. But I, I've heard from many plan A parents. They say, if I don't impose my will, nothing happens around here. Nothing gets done. We're supposed to just let the kid do whatever he wants. That's the mantra of the plan A parent, the plan C parent. I'm not going to watch my family be destroyed. I'd rather not have my family get destroyed, even if this kid doesn't do anything that I want. That's the mantra of the plan C parent. Neither is actually feeling very good about, well, sometimes they're feeling good about their role. Um, plan C parent is feeling good because they feel like preservation of the family. Sometimes they're even saying preservation of their relationship with the kid. Um, those are noble goals, and they are. I, I could get you those goals with plan B, too. And the plan A parent has a noble goal. They actually have expectations for this kid. They actually want to work on something noble, noble. I could get you that stuff with plan B instead without all the downside that plan A brings to the table. It's the AC combo. And as I've already said, the missing ingredient is plan B. The goal is to help the plan A parent who has a noble goal to pursue expectations and solve problems with a kid. The goal is to help that parent do exactly that, but instead do it through plan B, which as I've already said as well, doesn't have anywhere near the downside of plan B. Excuse me, plan B doesn't have anywhere near the downside of plan A. And the goal is to help the plan C parent do plan B. Now, preservation of the family, not setting in motion challenging behavior has been achieved as well, but by a different means. Plan B. And now the best news of all, they're on the same page. Cool, because 
when we're doing the AC combo, we're not on the same page. What collaborative problem solving requires is that the two parents, two caregivers, see the kid through the same lenses. Challenging behavior is set in motion by lagging skills and demands for those skills. Those are the lenses. Get organized together. What unsolved problems are reliably and predictably setting in motion challenging behavior in our household? Prioritize together. What do we want to work on first? What, what two or three unsolved problems do we want to work on first? And which of us, if not both of us, is going to do plan B with our kid proactively so we can start getting some problems solved around here? so we don't have these problems floating around that never get solved and so that we aren't purely in family preservation mode. That's also, by the way, called walking on eggshells. Walking on eggshells is when no problems are being solved. There is no plan, no shared set of lenses, no priorities. If a problem comes up, we either walk on eggshells or in the case of the plan A parent, we push it to the limit and cause, in some families, what is often a very unpleasant scene. And then the third ingredient, we've now both have the right lenses on, if it's a two-parent home, for, for it to be the AC combo. Sometimes you need two parents, and they actually don't have to even be living in the same home. By the way, the Plan A parent, well, let me get to the third ingredient, then I'll tell you another part of the mantra of Plan A parents. Uh, third ingredient, get good at Plan B. Now, this is where life starts to get interesting. Because the plan A parent often justifies the mess that plan A causes by saying, works for me. Well, great. Uh, not great, because when you're not around, it's not working for the co-parent who is around. It's supposed to be a team here. We really need to be on the same page. If, if if a certain way of doing things works only when one parent is around, I wouldn't call that a reliable plan because one parent has been left out there hanging. Works for me doesn't cut it on a team. We've got to do this together in a way that works for both of us. Let's take some phone calls. We do have one. And I believe this is the uh, parent who called in last time, and I believe we're about to get a uh, follow-up. Hi, you're on the air. Welcome to the Hi, podcast. can you hear me? I can. How are you today? Good. And, yes, this is the follow-up from last week. Um, we uh, haven't really done much more with the issue as we talked about. Um, Just for the sake of folks who weren't listening last time, yeah. remind us. Remind us. Okay, so um, we have a 13-year-old homeschooled uh, boy, and, um, you know, he's the background is that he's had some medical issues in the past. He was in public school um, until about two, two, two and a half years ago. Um, and we're, we're getting a lot of learning in creatively, but not... Never when it comes to um, me choosing anything or even trying to collaborate on choosing something that we can do because then it 
looks like schoolwork, and he doesn't want to do it. Um, and so I did a couple of Plan Bs about that. And um, this past week. First, no, previously to calling you. Got it. Yeah. Um, have not have not addressed the issue at all. Um, <clears throat> in the meantime, which is kind of interesting because he has kind of taken off on some even more academic activities on his own with me not thinking about the issue. And I've noticed this in the past, too. It's not that I was pushing it before. It was that I was thinking about it and wanting to do schoolwork, even if I didn't mention it. And then as soon as I drop that and say, okay, I'm leaving it alone for a week because I'm going to talk to Ross next week, um, things happen, but only in the area that he chooses. Um, anyway, so my first, you know, we've, we've, we've gone over this and, and talked about this for, for two years. And, um, but I tried to kind of push the issue again um, a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago. And um, I didn't start it off very well because I started with, wow, I'd really like to get a little bit of math done. And that <laughs> was the wrong approach. <laughs> um, I would not call that, um, well, um, I would call that your concern. Right. Well, I didn't start it. I had said that about, I don't know, half an hour before. But that wasn't enough time to reset into, okay, let's talk about why this feels hard to you. Or it seems that when I bring it up, you know, it's really hard. Um, it, was too, it was too close, I think. Um, but what I got from him out of that one, I actually did get some good information. And that was that... Um, getting a little bit of an echo, sorry. Um, with that one, it was back to it's very, very draining was, was the information I got, which I knew. Um, I don't think it's nearly as draining as he seems to think it is. Um, the comment was, if you force me to do a half hour of math, I'd need a year and a half to recover. Um, and this is actually a reference back to um, previously due to the medical issues, if we went to an activity, then we'd need, he'd need several days to recover before we could do something else. And that's really been mostly fixed as far as activities and, um, and that sort of thing. So that but, he is no longer reporting feeling drained by activities that are hard for him, except for math. Except for anything that is schoolwork. Even yeah. if it's really not schoolwork, but I call it schoolwork. Yeah. And that's that's the weird thing. So, like this week, he had a project that involved um, converting um, converting units and measuring angles and upsizing one diagram to a larger size. And he's like, "Can you help me with this?" And I said, "Sure." And I showed him how to convert units, and we came up with the factor that he could use in later calculations. And he was great, and he spent hours on it. But if I say, "Hey, I'd like to," read from this, you know, interesting book to you, he shuts down and feels drained. And so help so, me understand something. Is this information that you gathered this week or was this prior week's info? Prior. Got it. This was, be this was the first time I brought it up. It was probably about three weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and I had heard it before. Um, so then I decided... Well, 
even talking about doing school work is hard, so maybe I need to look at that one first. So I picked the best time I possibly could, and the previous one had ended with him just storming out of the room and getting upset. So this was in the car. It was on the way to his fun activity, so he knew I wasn't trying to get him to do schoolwork. It was just a discussion. And I said, I've noticed that bringing up the idea of doing schoolwork is hard, and you get upset, and you don't want to talk. So what's up? Um, and we went round and round in circles for a while. But then what he came, what it came out of that, I think, was that it will never get fixed. It will never be easy. So I don't want, I'd rather just not deal with it. That's kind of my interpretation. Well, now here's the interesting thing. He's giving us some interesting information, believe it or not. Yeah. He's telling us that, um, and this was not this week's attempt to get it, but you're, you're trying a few different things to see if there's a way to learn more about what's getting in his way on doing assignments for school at your suggestion, academic assignments, not for school because you're homeschooling, but any suggestion on your part of things that he could be working on, he's unenthusiastic. But here's And so one of the things you tried was, and this is a very good thing to try, and that is um, let's try to do proactive plan B at a time when he's in a good headspace because you're on your way to something good. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually hearing something slightly, and I think that's fantastic, so no, uh, no worries there. The big question is, he's actually saying some things that are worth exploring further. Now, how, much, how far you'd get if you actually pursued them remains to be seen. But the one that I'm hanging on to the most is where he's basically saying, I'm finding those particular assignments to be very fatiguing. And so I guess I'm shifting the sands a little bit here because I think that that's a very interesting thing for him to say. Mm -hmm. The question is, we don't want to leave that open to interpretation. That sounds like it's something we'd want to drill for information about. Now, and what I can't tell is whether you're interpreting because he's not going to give you any more than that, no matter how hard you try, no matter how well you drill, you're not going to get any further than that, and therefore you're left to interpret, or whether what's really needed here is just some more precise drilling for information. Go ahead. Let me, let me share a little bit of things that I've gotten like in the past year or two. Yep. Because um, he's actually quite... He's he's quite um, generally self-aware, and um, it's not just school assignments. It's anything that someone else wants to get him to do that he thinks that he can't see the point of it, and it feels a little hard. So one time we were in a psychiatrist's office, and we were exploring this. And the psychiatrist said, so if I told you to play your Nintendo DS for an hour a day, or if your mom told you to do this, that would feel really hard and draining. And he said, yeah, pretty much. Even though he likes doing that activity. Right. That was the thing he was escaping with at that time. Now, here's my question. For me, 
Here, here's the here's the is it time to leave the empathy step litmus test? How well do I understand what that means? Yes, that would be really hard if my mom suggested that I um, play my DS when I wasn't playing my DS. I mean, the lagging skill that I'm thinking of here is difficulty shifting cognitive set, but it might not be that. And since I don't know if it's that, and since I don't want to make any assumptions, I, um, th there's an important question to ask after that, and that would be, how, help me understand why that would be hard, given that I know you like playing on your DS. And that would potentially fill in some of the blanks, and that also would potentially, although these might be two different things, uh, it, math homework might be in a different category than the DS because he likes the DS, and I'm not sure he actually likes the math, but you'd know better. Right. But um, right. So they, they might be two different reasons for having difficulty shifting from one thing to another. But I guess what I'm still hearing is the need for further drilling for information so that we understand what your son is trying to say better than we do now because we haven't passed the I really do understand this now litmus test yet. And if he's well, self-aware, he might be able to give I us do, that information. I, I feel like we've gotten all the information that he has. I don't think he knows why he's drained by it, but I've seen it in action, and we've talked about it enough that I that I believe he's, he's pretty on the mark that this drains him. So, for example, just the conversation, the first plan B where I said, you know, um, where we talked about how math was hard. For three hours, he was he was just done. Um, after that, um, he had no energy. He sat on the couch and watched TV and after he didn't have math, or after you all had talked about why math was hard. When we talked about why math was hard, and he st stormed out of the room, the rest of our day was pretty much gone. Because th these are these are two slightly different conversations, and this is this is where. Um, things can get a little confusing. Yeah. One, one issue is, why is math so draining? Another issue is, and these are, it feels to me, two separate unsolved problems. Okay. Uh, we wouldn't want to be talking about them both at the same time because they feel separate to me. The okay. other is, why does he have difficulty moving on to something that someone else suggests? Those are two completely different unsolved problems. Now, here's the interesting thing. It actually sounds like math involves both because it doesn't sound like it's especially likely that he's going to be doing math on his own, which means the suggestion would have to come from you, which means that he would, by definition, be doing something else when you were suggesting math, in which case it would also fall into the um, why do you have trouble moving on to something else when somebody suggests it category. But the DS, which he loves and doesn't have a hard time with, would only be in the difficulty moving on to something somebody else suggests category. We're actually interested in gathering information on both, but on mm -hmm. most unsolved problems, they are actually on most issues, they're actually separate unsolved problems. So I want to caution against combining the two because I think that we're looking for two separate pieces of information here. And that's, this could be a little bit confusing for people. One is, why does he have difficulty shifting from one thing to another when somebody asks him to? That's one unsolved problem and we'd want to get information about that. The other is, why is math so draining? But I'm not sure we understand either so well yet. So I guess here's what I'm asking you to do. Make sure when you're telling us what information we have, 
let us know which one you're talking about. Otherwise, we're going to get a little confused. Okay. Okay. I I like that. I like that breaking it down. Um, And we have talked about the whole DS thing, um, the comment a couple times, um, because he really resonated with that comment. He'll tell that story to people. So he resonates Um, with the fact that he has trouble shifting when somebody requests shifting from him. So let's let's stick with that one just for a few minutes. What and you know, know I would I, I would even define it a little bit further. It's not so much the shift; it's the sticking with it. Like he can make the shift and yeah. sustain it for a few minutes, but he can't. So so we have we we have done say okay. How about we um we we have negotiated that he'll do a little bit. Sometimes, not math, because like you say, that has that additional component. But say me, me reading something from a website or something, he can he can sustain it for for five five ten minutes. It used to be longer, um, and that's one of my concerns is that it's getting more and more draining. It seems like, or more and more avoiding. But then he starts getting he starts feeling um, I don't know. He looks anxious. He looks like. Um, like he's really holding on by his finger and he wants to stay and do that. I see. Now I think we're talking about attention. draining. I think, moved, I think we've moved on to draining now. So, I mean, as with every parent, here's what who's trying to do this. Here's what's really important to decide. And this sometimes when you're in the middle of plan B, it gets decided for you. This is a good example of this. I, I asked you to limit yourself to shifting. But what we then learned is that maybe it's not so much the shifting. I mean, maybe his mm-hmm. response to the psychiatrist wasn't as detailed as it might have needed to be, because what you're telling us now is the actual shifting when requested is not so hard, unless that's going to be revised after I finish here, because I actually, it does actually sound like there's going to be times when you ask him to do something and that shifting is actually going to be hard. Yeah. But what I'm now hearing, though, is that the shifting might not be so hard, but it's the fact that once he has shifted, whatever he's been asked to shift to is hard for him, or something's getting in the way of him doing it, and then he sort of peters out in the energy department, and the shifting, the the, the sticking with it part doesn't last very long. Do I have that right? Yes, except for the the, the refinement is that only happens if it's something someone else has asked of him. He well, will spend hours focusing on a complex project that he has chosen to do, which includes math and includes all kinds of academic stuff. Um, it's only when I ask him to do it, and he doesn't see the point, and he well that he starts. This is interesting, though. I almost wish we could get him on the phone and do Plan B with him right here, which we can't do. But um, what I am intrigued by here is, now it's not necessarily shifting per se, and the truth is these are things that we could find if we were actually doing Plan B with a kid. This is sometimes how Plan B goes. This is how the empathy step goes. Sometimes, sometimes you get into the empathy step and you thought you were going to be talking about one thing, say shifting. Right. But what it is that you were talking about actually morphs a little bit and becomes more refined, and it becomes um, more well. Shifting's not that hard for me. Um, shifting to the things you're asking me to shift to is hard. Mm-hmm. What I'm wondering here is, 
great that he can spend two or three hours on something that's really hard. Mm-hmm. Are you asking him to shift to those things that he's actually able to spend two or three hours on, or are your requests for him more likely to focus on things that he's unlikely to choose on his own because they're really hard for him? And is, does that explain? Um, that, that's what, what makes this perplexing. If I ask him to shift to things that should be interesting to him, I'm not, I'm not saying, okay, I'm going to pick the ones that you don't like. I'm trying to say, okay, you're interested in this subject. I went and got a library book about it. Let's sit down and look at it together. No, forget it. Don't want to do that. Don't want to, don't want to engage in that activity in the way that you have chosen for me. Yeah, and it, it doesn't seem to be about how I'm doing it. It's the fact that I'm the one doing it. Because I've, well, I'm, I know it I'm actually a pretty way. creative parent, so I try lots of different ways. Well, the, the thing is, I find this with a lot of very creative parents, and that sometimes their creative truth is I would call that a creative solution. I find that with a lot of creative parents, they're breaking their necks to find a creative solution to a problem, and that I could save them some of that neck breaking by actually figuring out what it is that we're working on in the first place, so, for example, I'll find sometimes that people will tell me, um, here's the solution that I came up with to that problem. Don't you think it's great? And I'll say, well, it's only great if the kid's on board with it, and it's only great if we really understand, if that solution is really well matched to something we now understand very well. And I have a feeling that, so, so a lot of creativity ends up getting lost because the kid's concern or perspective actually isn't all that well understood yet. So I hate to see, uh, this is going to sound a little bit harsh, but we might call it blind creativity because we actually don't exactly understand what the kid's concern or perspective is yet, and so our solutions are aimed at a target that really isn't well clarified yet. Here's what I'm wondering. Well, and I think that hits the nail on the head, and I think the additional the additional um, thing that makes it backfire is that it it doesn't feel collaborative, and so therefore it feels somewhat manipulative. Well, I don't know if I'd use the word manipulative. I might use the word enthusiastic. I, it's, I would call it enthusiastic, but somewhat blind um, problem-solving. Um, yeah. If if you run out and get a book, and I'm just jumping on that example, you've seen him working really hard on something, and you run out and you get a book on that thing, and then you say to him, let's look at the book together. And he says, no thanks. We've got the topic right, because we saw that that was something that he was interested in, but we still aren't exactly clear on how to take it to the next step, how to work on it further with him. Truth is, I don't. If I was talking to him, I'm wondering if he might say, you know, my mom's really enthusiastic, but she comes up with the idea, these ideas for how we could work on stuff together. And and I have no clue if he's going to say this. If he would say this, by the way, but he might say something like, um, I don't, I don't really want to work with her on this stuff. I really want to do it on my own. I want to pick my time. I want to pick how I do it. I don't want to do it with her. I don't know if I would hear that. There's many other things I could hear. I could no, because he always he always wants me to be involved when he picks something. But for example, book 
the same book um, a friend of mine will give him as a gift, and he'll be all over it. Hmm. Well, so it, what, it, what all of this to me, to, though, is the need for more information. Otherwise, yeah. we will continue not understanding what's really going on, and we run the risk of continuing to throw solutions into the mix that are ill-matched to what's really going on because we don't understand what's really going on yet. Um, here's right. what Plan B would sound like, though, on that issue. Um, I've noticed that when I try to um, come up with ways that you could work on certain assignments, you're not very enthusiastic about the ideas that I come up with. What's up? Mm-hmm. That's what the... And that we're not we're actually no longer on the shifting issue, although I think that we kind of are on the shifting issue. I think we've refined the shifting issue to be when I ask you to work on something in a way that I'm thinking would be a good idea, a lot of the times you don't think it's a good idea, and I'd like to understand that better. What's up? That's potentially what the empathy step would sound like there, the beginning of it. Now, last time you said something that struck a chord, which was there needs to be some reassurance about whatever he's afraid of because there's definitely like a panic reaction when I try to when I try to bring this this up, which is part of the reason I go in other creative directions. Um, can you say more about that? Because I really think you hit on something there. That sounds good to me. But repeat. Do I need to explore what it is he's afraid of? Do I need to explore what he's afraid of, or do I need to... Well, if he says he's afraid, then you want to explore what he's afraid of. But He doesn't. He just runs... He just he just clams up, shuts down, and doesn't want to engage. Right. Here's the hard part, though. Um, what I can't tell, because I'm not there when the conversation is taking place, there's a lot of ways in which Plan B can go awry. One is... We're asking something that's too vague for the kid to give us information about in the first place. Another okay. is we're pretty sure we know what's going on already, and the kid doesn't have the linguistic wherewithal to correct us. So I'm taking mm. us back to the very beginning of the empathy step, and I'm saying I think you've got two unsolved, two separate unsolved problems that you want to be working on here. One is that when you come up with an idea for how he could work on something that he appears to be interested in. How come he doesn't usually like your idea? That's one. Okay. So what I'm doing is I'm taking us back to the very beginning, and I'm trying to clarify what exactly are we asking him about here, because if we muddle the fatigue issue, the draining issue, with the shifting issue, with mm-hmm. the how come when I come up with ideas you don't like them issue, then I can understand why he might not talk and why yeah. he might run off. That's overwhelming, right. We've, we've, we're, we're trying to talk with him about three separate things, at, three different things at once, but we're trying to bottle them within the same unsolved problem, and he's getting very confused about what it is that we're actually asking about. So point number one, and I know that this, can, this may be a little bit confusing for a lot of folks who may be listening, um, point number one is let's be really clear about what it is that we're trying to gather information on in the first place. That's number mm-hmm. one. Otherwise, we run the risk in some kids of them saying to themselves, 
I have no clue what you're asking me about. And the way I deal with that is to run off because I don't know that I can articulate that. It sounds like you may be talking about at least two, possibly three separate unsolved problems. One clear unsolved problem is why he finds math to be so draining. And I have a feeling, never met him, but math could be draining. I don't want to be a genius here myself. Math could be draining because there are many things about math that are hard for him that he finds just to be draining to work on or that take an enormous amount of energy from him. Usually things that are hard are the ones that require an enormous amount of energy. Just require so much energy from him that he finds them to be completely draining. And what that would lead us in the direction, and if I'm right, is that um, there's lots of things about math that are still hard for him. Clearly, some things about math that are not hard and draining for him, because it sounds like he can persist on them for quite some time. But I'm assuming that there's a difference between the ones that he can work on for two or three hours at a time and the ones that he craps out on rather quickly. And not only because you may be suggesting them, but for bona fide reasons that are specific to the nature of the assignment. That's unsolved problem number one. Uh Unsolved problem number two is his general lack of enthusiasm for ways of studying things and ways of working on things that you suggest. Unsolved problem number two. Okay. That's very different than the draining issue, but it does get you off the hook for being creative on an unsolved problem on which his concern or perspective isn't well understood yet. Mm -hmm. your, Your creativity might actually come in handy but not until you get to the brainstorming phase of Plan B, where you're actually trying to come up with solutions. But and this is a this is a really important point. As I said earlier, lots of adults are very creative on solutions for problems that are not well understood yet, and you don't want to yeah. fall into that pattern, because then you're um, solving a problem that blindly. We want your creativity, which will be very important. It's going to come in really handy once we get to the brainstorming ingredient. But your creativity may actually not be serving you well at all. It may actually be counterproductive if we're trying to be creative on a problem that isn't when your son's concern or perspective isn't well understood yet. Because then he's sitting there thinking to himself, well, she's really trying hard, but this is not working for me. Right. The problem for you is, we don't understand why it's not working for him yet because we've got some more drilling for information to do in the empathy step first. That okay. Sense? Yeah, it does. Potential um, unsolved problem number three, by the way. Potential unsolved problem number three is shifting. But I don't know. Shifting seems to be kind of fading here. I'm kind of thinking well, that I would preserve unsolved problems number one and two and then see if shifting is really what we're talking about. Go ahead. Yeah, um, shifting has definitely been a problem. Um but it's one that we've been working on for years, so I think it's it's um I think it contributes because it's still difficult, but it's not the primary thing going on. Yeah, I have a feeling that if we got good information on why certain assignments are so draining and got solutions in place for the draining issue, and then got really good information on the why not your suggestion? Why 
are things that mm-hmm. you're suggesting creativity create creatively. Why are those not flying for him? I have a feeling mm-hmm. I could be completely wrong about this, but I have a feeling there's an excellent chance the shifting issue would largely be resolved. Yeah. If we got a good fix on those, I could be wrong about that. We could be dealing with three unsolved problems instead of two. But I would start with those first two and see if shifting came along with it. Because mm-hmm. I have a shifting usually requires in the moment movement from one activity to another. And I have a feeling that some shifting is going to be help, uh, dealt with by understanding and dealing with the draining issue. And some other shifting is going to be dealt with by understanding why your ideas are not being met with great enthusiasm with him. And then I'm going to be very curious to see if there's any shifting left to be dealt with. Now, do you want me to ask him if he's interested in um, talking on the show? I'd have to think about whether that's something that um, is kosher from a legal and ethical perspective. So let me give it some thought. I know you've emailed okay. me before, so I can I can weigh on that in on that by email. And um, but I would do it if that's something. Uh, I've, some, I've got some hesitation about doing it with a kid who I'm not actually sitting in the same room with. Right. But right. so I'd want to explore that with you further, sort of not while we're on the program. And in fact, okay. speaking of that. We are out of time for today. This always happens. We get caught up in um, Plan B and find that there's not enough time to really see it through. I want to thank you for listening in today, though. Um, Hope things weren't too confusing, um, but hopefully we got them clarified at the end there. Collaborative problem solving can be a little confusing early on. The trick is to make sure that we know what unsolved problems we're really working on. Once again, thanks for listening in this week. No program next week, which would be March 16th, but we're back on again on March 23rd. Take care. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.